everybody. Welcome to the live stream of the Jimmy Dore Show. We have a lot to get to today. Max Blumenthal is with us, ladies and gentlemen, from the Gray Zone. You know him as the award-winning journalist and editor of the Gray Zone. Please welcome Max Blumenthal. Hi, Max. Hey, Jimmy. How's so, it going? What's so, up, Kurt? Hey, man. So let's just get to the story I want to really cover today is the reaction to Matt Taibbi, who b- broke the story. <laughs> about how Twitter is censored before Elon Musk. Elon Musk is making those materials available that show the collusion between government and social media and and political organizations and corporations and all kinds of crazy collusion to limit your free speech. And so Matt Taibbi covered it. And because remember, and he covered the and mostly centered around the Hunter Biden suppression of the Hunter Biden's laptop story. They've and uh, he revealed about how they tried to make up excuses to keep it um, suppressed and censored. And it was it was fake. But so we had to live through this vile, baseless conspiracy theories are spreading about Hunter Biden. And despite pledges to curb misinformation in the lead up to the election, (laughs) social media sites aren't stopping them. That's from the Rolling Stone. And that's that's uh, true. Holden, I got to give him credit. He said on that day, October 22nd, 2020, he said this could be an interesting tweet to revisit in a few weeks or months. He was right on. He was prescient. Congrats to Drew Holden, who got that. So. So he reveals what happened on Twitter, how Twitter suppressed Hunter Biden's laptop, and people went nuts. When I say people, I mean people paid by billionaires and establishment corporate media. That's what I'm talking about. So this sleazy pro-censorship pack of liberal employees of media corporations united last night to attack Matt Taibbi as they do any journalist who breaks a real story about real power centers. And because they were so desperate to discredit it, showed what they are. Watch. First of all, so even Mediate caught this. Mediate figured out there was like a, a template to how to attack Matt Taibbi over this. And the template was construct tweet, say formerly respected or once great. They would say, ah. Matt Taibbi, I used to love him. He was once yeah. great. And then <laughs> and then call it call it a PR or a comms or like the call it say he's doing PR and then say he's doing it for the world's richest man or the richest person in the world. And then do a quote thread, uh, a thread. And so here I'll show you some of them, by the way. um, Hang on, let me go back. Let me go back to this. Hunter Biden's Twitter reveal comes in barrage of Matt Taibbi tweets. I like how it's worded. So the problem is that he used too many tweets. That's the problem. Not the problem is that, hey, we found out how they were censoring and why and for who. Must Twitter reveal revealed on Twitter. So what? Where else? Where else would he reveal it? (laughs) Through the media that he's exposing? (laughs) The headline's great for teaching public relations, isn't it? So what's the story? Twitter colluded with government and corporate media to suppress a story before an election. Okay, so how do we PR this? Well, first, it's Musk's Hunter Biden reveal. (laughs) What? Musk? I hate that guy. I don't want to hear him reveal anything. (laughs) Is this like stupid Mars ideal or that stupid car he has that all my rich friends bought and now it's awkward for us? (laughs) It's a barrage, a rambling barrage of (laughs) tweets, Kurt. By Matt Taibbi. He didn't even have the decency to keep it under 180 characters. 
That's remember when they used to say rambling in everybody's manifesto? The rambling, rambling yeah. manifesto. Also, in fairness to Newsweek, this isn't anything Sam Harris didn't already tell us faster and funnier. How about that? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so let me let me just bring in Max Blumenthal just to get now, just before I show all a lot of the crazy tweets, just give me your reaction real fast to to what happened to Matt Taibbi on Twitter for actually doing journalism. Yeah, it's like Matt Taibbi apparently got these leaks and it's a forbidden in journalism to report leaks, apparently, um, especially if you get leaks from a powerful person. No one in mainstream media does that. <laughs> yeah. No one in establishment media gets things from powerful sources and then disseminates them to the public. Um, but of course, there's a difference. I mean, it, there's so much irony in the reactions. I guess you're going to go through the reactions. Yeah, yeah. You want me to show some of them? Okay, here's some of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Let's. I mean, Matt Taibbi always was and still remains a fraud. Doing PR for the richest person in the world should come as no surprise. From calling Goldman Sachs a vampire squid to giving free PR to the world's richest billionaire man. Man, what a career journey. I continue to follow Matt Taibbi as he descended from legitimate journalism into both sidesism <laughs> over the years because I figured it was important to hear both sides. But now he's just a PR outlet for the world's richest man. That's all they keep saying. The Taibi thread is a great example of overwriting when you don't have the goods, but you don't want to admit you're just doing PR for the <laughs> world's richest person. Mm -hmm. Matt Taibi went from fierce and intrepid journalist taking aim at the wealthy and powerful to doing mundane PR for the world's richest huckster. Wait, did you see that? 31 likes is all he got. <laughs> all he got was 31 likes. That's He's a comedian, or he tried to be a comedian. No. Oh, of course. So yeah, uh, the like, I not, like what the Chicago thinker said. He says, Matt Taibbi does PR for the richest man on the planet, whereas I am principled <laughs> enough to only do PR for the central bankers, Hollywood, the national security state, Big Pharma, <laughs> and the Democratic Party. It's not the flex most corporate journalists think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these guys are furious at Taibbi, but none of them can actually point to anything he's doing wrong. He's revealing details about an important event using primary sources. There is no evidence he's distorting anything. He's doing journalism, and they are mad about it. Well, these are hacks, and therefore all journalism is PR to them. <laughs> they can't even get their heads around the idea of not doing PR. So here he says the major stories you... The more major stories you break of consequence, the more employees of media corporations hate you. It's why they want Julian Assange jailed. Part is standard petty jealousies, but most of it is people in power centers are their friends and they don't want them exposed. And here's Ben Collins. Imagine throwing it all away to do PR work for the richest person in the world. Humiliating shit. He works for NBC News. Who do you think you serve? I mean, that should be his Twitter tag, humiliating shit. <laughs> I'm guessing Ben Collins. Ben Collins covers disinformation, extremism, and the internet for NBC News. That's what his NBC bio that's, says. Uh, that's uh, how you know he's words, the worst of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In other words, Ben Collins is a rent boy for the U.S. intelligence apparatus. That's that's the translation of that bio. I'm I'm guessing Ben Collins is going to be exposed in another barrage of Musk tweets coming. <laughs> Isn't he? Well, it's just so ironic. I mean, look at Ben. Look at Ben Collins' entire archive. 
everything is an oppo dump from the Democrats or something from the Senate Intelligence Committee about Russiagate going back to when he was at the Daily Beast. He was just a stenographer for whatever the psyop of the time was. And every, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at his, his article, Reddit rises up against CEO for hiding Russian trolls. That's uh, March 5th, 2018. Russians used Reddit and Tumblr to troll the 2016 election. Uh, then that, that same day he published this piece, leaked secret documents from Russia's election trolls. So, you know, very brave of him to basically serve as the PR man for the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is exact, basically the Senate wing of the CIA. And now he's talking about trashing Taibbi for not speaking truth to power. But what, 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 are the, what are the contents of these leaks? The contents are counter-hegemonic. They actually challenge power because they show how the state is using private social media entities to censor factual news stories that, Im that obstruct its political imperatives. In this case, it was Biden winning the 2020 election. Uh, this is, this is, it, it is a First Amendment violation because the state is seeking an end around so it doesn't have to abide by the First Amendment. It's using social media companies who claim to be private, telling them what to do behind the scenes with no accountability or transparency, no public input. We don't even know this is happening. And at some points, you weren't even allowed to send a DM of stories about Hunter Biden's laptop. And then they're saying, well, this has nothing to do with the First Amendment. Some, some other – some guy owns Twitter. If you don't want to participate, don't participate. But when you are seeking a way around the First Amendment – and influencing politics, and you are the state, that is a First Amendment violation. So this is an expose of corruption. Yes, it is a leak from a very powerful person, but it's, its contents and the impact of the, those contents are counter-hegemonic, which is why every establishment tool lined up to defend the regime. Boy, it was really something. It wasn't just no names like Ben Collins. It was people like Chris Chrissy Hayes over at uh, MSNBC, yeah. Uh, I mean, every hack in the business, everybody. Uh, I don't know. I didn't check Dan Rather. I'm sure Dan Rather got in on it, too. Uh, here's what your colleague Aaron Maté said about Ben Co this Ben Collins tweet, the guy from NBC News. The claim that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation was a blatant lie that resulted in blatant censorship. No one is obligated to care about that. But why, especially a journalist who covers disinformation, why attack another journalist for exposing the truth? Because this guy serves the oligarchy and the establishment. He doesn't serve the truth. He doesn't serve your viewers. He serves the money. That's exactly what that is. And he serves the establishment. And so Elon Musk and Matt Ta what Matt Taibbi did was expose the establishment's collusion with social media, the establishment that he is hired and paid by to defend. They're, they, are, they are not watchdogs. They are guard dogs for the establishment. By the way, he's another one like Taylor Lorenz, where like their personal shit is all hit. You can't find. Yeah. Oh, or yeah. That one that wrote about you, where they try to blame Paul Pelosi. Yeah. On you. Yeah. They all. Oh, they keep their private thing private, but yours should be exposed at the earliest convenience. That's right. Uh, Mehdi Hassan, classic hack. He says, "Imagine volunteering to do PR work for the world's oh richest God. man on Friday night." Mehdi Hassan huh? works for MSNBC. He works for the. 
what what don't you work for? You work for Wall Street. You work for the War Machine. You work for the health insurance for company. You work for General yep. Electric. They, yep. uh, they, I'm pretty sure that anyway. Uh, he said, uh, in service of nakedly and cynically right wing narratives, and then pretending you're speaking truth to power. Watching Matt's unbelievable fall into lazy, reactionary <laughs> commentator and now PR hand for the world's richest man is depressing. Lazy. What is he just reporting facts, not even weaving it into the narrative that we want? He doesn't even he's not even bending himself into pretzel to defend the establishment while reporting this. Lazy. Lazy. So uh, like the world's richest man is Elon because it's always changing hands. That title I thought it was um, Jeff Bezos. I thought it was Jeff Bezos, the owner of the Washington Post. Right. Yeah, so, so I don't know if there's any WAPO columnists trashing Taibbi, but that would be pretty ironic. Whoever it is, it's not who they're gonna you're gonna see on Forbes as the richest man. <laughs> <in> the <world. laughs> well, there is. I do have someone in here who uh, works for Bloomberg. He's pretty rich, and he says that. I'll show it to you in a second. But here's uh, a guy named Joy, Jay Bowler. Don't know him. The Taibi thing is so depressing. I was a defender well into his semi-recent heel turn. But the, the words these motherfuckers heel use, turn. man. His heel turn. Yeah, right. <laughs> but to see a once great a journalist. Heel turn is like instant. So how can it be semi-recent? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wouldn't it be instant? But to see a once great journalist turn into a pathetic lapdog for the world's richest man is too much. This reminds me of what people say about me because they go, oh, Jimmy Dore is just going for right wing clicks. It's like, you know, I already had a very successful show. I was already selling out theaters coast to coast. I didn't need to all of a sudden. Because you're lazy. I didn't. <laughs> why, why would I all of a sudden just start lying for absolutely no reason? I was great up until then, just all of a sudden, he just went nuts for no reason. Except, no, I just kept telling the same truths about the same Democratic Party that you're defenders of. That's all that yeah, is. That's called being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> One minute you're, scour you're scourging, scourging? Scourging, yeah. Scourging Goldman Sachs. The next you're doing PR for the richest man in the world. Funny old. Maybe scourging you, dude. <laughs> How about Occupy Democrats? I don't know what the fuck this organization does. Twitter doesn't have a PR department anymore, so the world's richest man turned to Matt Taibbi. I like that because they're occupied by Democrats and, now, and they try to say it's no, a nothing burger. So that's what that's what they're tweeting. They're saying it's a nothing burger. Mm. So the occupied Democrats, I I guess, are just Democrats. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is to do this is like when Scientology tells Scientologists not to go online and look at stuff. Yeah, like, that's what this is. The that's what this of. is. Yeah. They're telling other Democrats don't look at this. So here, this guy oh. works for Bloomberg. So he works for Bloomberg, one of the richest guys in the world. He ah. says, editors are great, not just because they make your work sharper, but because you can ask them things like, hey, should I be doing PR for the richest man on the planet? <laughs> That's a, this is amazing. Yeah, he's a real. So he used to be a big video game guy, and he actually did good work. This guy exposing labor practices in like the, you know, that's like one of the this guy. Yeah. Jason Schreier. And then but he was always would side with the it's always like on the side of access journalism. Ultimately. Of course. So I guess he must have moved up to Bloomberg. Well, he's at Bloomberg. That's he thinks like he, that's a good example. A guy who kind of knows what reporting is, but also thinks it's your obligation to stick with the established. Uh, you yeah. Know, 
I'm well, an institutionalist like Brian Wilson. Well, I, some, I heard somebody refer to it. You know, they used to refer to give, of the sugar high that journalists got by talking about Russiagate and Trump, right? And, Gamergate was his. And now they got to replace. Yeah. Now they got to replace it with something. So now they're replacing it with Elon. Yeah, Elon's become their Trump, and the truth has become their enemy. The truth is now bad. Well, he's happy that editors would keep this from being reported. Mm -hmm. Yes. Here is uh here is Wahaha Ali. He says good he says good Russian disinformation meant to good Russian disinformation meant to harm our democracy shouldn't be given mainstream platforms. So this is when he was tweeting about he was he was all for it censoring an accurate news story. So he's all for censoring. So he's would be considered a right wing authoritarian, even though his name is Waha Ali. He would be considered a right wing authoritarian. That's what he actually is. <laughs> That's what he actually is. He's a censorious right wing authoritarian. That's what he actually is. That's what this reveals. That's his flex. Uh, and now he writes this. So he was for censoring. And now he writes this, Matt Taibbi, what sad, disgraceful downfall. I swear, kids, he did good work back in the day. Should be a cautionary tale for everyone. Selling your soul for the richest white nationalist. <laughs> nice. I like so he's that not the richest template. man. He's just the richest white nationalist. Sell it, go, selling your soul for the richest white nationalist on earth. Well, he'll eat well for the rest of his life, I guess. But is it worth it? Well, hi, Ali, who is paying you? Oh, he's, Are you doing that for free? What If you're doing that well, for he, free. Uh, this this guy is one of the biggest tools in the whole yeah. centrist industry. He came out of the Center for American Progress. And then um, this phony uh, operation that was designed to basically cultivate Muslim support for Israel. Uh, I think they started sending him on free trips like to Jews Israel. Jesus he, he would write these pained articles. He's not even Palestinian. He would write all these pain. And so I don't see how he can say he has some special connection there, but he, he would write these pained articles about how, you know, he sees both sides and it's horrible. Um, but he kept going on these pro-Israel or Israel sponsored trips. Um, one and it was there was a right-wing rabbi who was involved in it, along with a guy from the Fetullah Gulen cult of Turkey, and that kind of elevated him. It got him in the pages of the New York Times, and he just then took on the views of the regime. MSNBC, the New York Times made him their safe token Muslim columnist, and he started attacking Russians in the same way that Muslim Americans were attacked during the Bush era and the war on terror, that they're all this great threat to America, that they're burrowing from within. Um, and, and, you know, here he is just, he will do the work of the establishment, whatever it is, whatever the messaging requires. And, um, you know, if there was any downfall, it was his because he at least contributed to once a report on Islamophobia in the U.S. on how the FBI was actually setting up uh, Muslim mentally disturbed young men for, to fuel the war on terror, how the whole, how it was influencing U.S. politics. And then he goes and does the same thing about Russians and Russia from the Democratic side. I mean, you could just talk about any of these figures. And one thing I noticed is that when you look at their headshots, the ones with blue checks, like the ones I recognize, they all have professional headshots and they're all like, yes, like yes. they're trying to sell you a used car or something. 
Like, yeah, that's how you know. Well, it's interesting what he says. I swear, kids, he did good work back in the day. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure what happened was as he stopped doing good work. <laughs> I think what happened was he kept doing good work. And that it, that is a threat to you guys. Well, Be you change the definition of what good work yeah, is. That's all. He got left behind. <laughs> Well, here's that Ben Collins again. He says, Elon Musk paid $44 billion to discover what we already knew. <laughs> Content moderation is messy and involves whole teams of people with a range of viewpoints trying to appease different political factions. Why? Why would you try to appease yeah. different political factions? That's what your it's litmus messy. test It's messy. Oh, we're, trying to, some on my face. I'm, we're trying to make the Jews happy. We're trying to make the Arabs happy. We're trying to make the Nazis happy in Ukraine. <laughs> we're trying to make everybody happy at the same time. It's messy. There, you know, he's saying there's no agenda behind any of this censorship. It's just right. messy. Does he mean messy like the withdrawal from Afghanistan messy or pandemic response messy? <laughs> <laughs> do, or do you mean illegal? You mean illegal messy? Uh, he, he then, so this is the hands his tweet by, he then gave leaks to a substack man to present. Oh. He calls him a substack man. That's like a bohunk in an 80s movie. Oh. He's a, that's like, a, wait, how could he fall so far if he was already the lowest thing there is, yeah. a substack man? It's like Bill Maher making fun of podcasters 10 years ago. That's what that is. <laughs> or that's, Stern, yeah. yeah. Or reading how, outside verified channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, here's why, why are it's leaks in, in scare like it wasn't a leak, right? What is a leak? Uh, the level of just casual cattiness and condescension among this set is so off the charts. If trusted mainstream media is slipping, they have no one to blame but themselves. 100%. 100%. Ben Collins could live to be 500 years old, get every obscure citizen with problematic views banned from Facebook, and still wouldn't get close to Taibbi's journalistic accomplishments. But he's a liberal and thus authoritarian, so believes legitimacy requires you to work for a big corporation. See? Substack man. So if you don't work for a big corporation, you're a bad person. That's what Colbert told me, and I, I still believe it. That's what Colbert <laughs> says. Uh, Matt Taibbi actually tweeted out this article. So media, I put together these responses and he tweeted out the article saying, looking forward to going through all the tweets complaining about PR for the richest man on earth and seeing how many of them have run stories for the anonymous mm -hmm. for anonymous sources at the FBI, the CIA, the Pentagon, the White House, et cetera, et cetera. Of course they are. Of course those are. But it just goes to show you that just the swamp, you know, Trump should have referred to the media as the swamp, not Washington. The me the corporate media, just what a swamp. They they are worse than the pol they have less character than the politicians they cover. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, sort of ironic seeing Matt Taibbi doing PR for the richest man a day after the president and media did round-the-clock PR for railroad barons to screw over workers out of sick pay. The Center for Incremental Progress. <laughs> 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 it's a good Twitter thread. Uh, I like them. It's a good Twitter thread. So they, and they put together a video of, of CNN doing the bullshit PR for them 
A rail strike is one of the most disruptive and expensive things that can happen to an economy. A rail shutdown or strike would disrupt supply chains. A strike means food prices could skyrocket. Many experts are saying would be an economic catastrophe. That could mean a big shortage and massive price hikes. Even gas prices could increase. And it also could cost the economy a billion dollars within the first week. That would cripple the economy. I'm not setting aside the concerns of your members, but are you and your members willing to stop the rails, in effect, uh, and, and accept those costs to the U.S. economy? Do you believe a strike I is worth it if it cripples the U.S. economy and costs? Yeah, so anyway, so yes, we are. We are setting aside those concerns. That's how a fucking strike works, asshole. Uh, Glenn Greenwald says, watching little obedient dweebs at NBC, CNN, and the Daily Beast claim Matt Taibbi is a servant to power is the most brazen case of projection I've ever seen. Taibbi spent his career and still does exposing Wall Street and CIA's lies. They are their loyal mouthpieces. That is the truth. That is true. And uh, tip of the hat, uh, Matt's had me on his show uh, twice. So I was on Useful Idiots twice. I don't think he does that show anymore. No, it's Aaron now. I think he moved on. He does his own thing with that guy, Walter Kim. He and uh, Katie had me on once, and we talked about the white helmets in Syria. It is one of many topics. And it triggered a letter signed by hundreds of regime changers and academics who wanted to bomb the crap out of Syria, demanding to Rolling Stone demanding their show be canceled. Wow. Well, along with a dossier of me. They put together a dossier on how I'm like, the worst person pre Kanye. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, Matt didn't, he, he wasn't frazzled at all. He didn't back down. He wasn't remotely disturbed by it because he was willing to look at the facts, whereas most others weren't. Yeah. Uh, so, Ironically, when I did that podcast the first time, or was it the second time? They edited out shit I said. <laughs> and I was like, what? You can't fucking do that on a podcast. They're acting like it was a news story. Like, we always edit our news stories. It's not a fucking news story. It's a what podcast. Um, a podcast. <laughs> no, what were you saying? They took out shit that I said that they thought I... That they couldn't substantiate or oh. whatever. I'm like, it's, nobody's... Looking at this as a it's an interview. It's not on you. It's on me. Anyway, it was a little. It, we talked about it afterwards when we settled. It was, but it was annoying, for sure. Uh, so that's just. But anyway, Matt's done a lot of great work, and this is also great work. So, uh, it certainly outweighs anything. But um, it. The, I Max, I still can't. I, I I'm still flabbergasted at it, it. In one sense, I feel horrible for Matt Taibbi. Right. Because I know what that feels like when you're being unfairly persecuted publicly like that. And you're just being called the most just like your character is being dragged through the mud in the worst ways possible, as if he has no character instead of the exact opposite. And you're being done by corporate. It's being done by corporate hacks with large platforms. And uh, I know that. But but at the same time, it also made me feel better about when it happens to me. So someone who's got yeah. such a pedigree like Matt Taibbi to have that happen to him uh, makes me feel better about when it happens to me. That's all. And, you know, I here I am doing a video uh, to help support Matt Taibbi and get the truth out about him. So I hope when it happens to me, he does a video for me. Well, I mean, you, you, you talked about how people at a certain point 
I was saying started... that as a joke, by the way. No one laughed. <laughs> oh, I was. Everybody I took me at making, fucking. Well, just... Thought you were making a Christmas wish. Everybody, <laughs> everybody took me at face value. Yeah. I, went, okay, I, guess, I guess I'm not. I guess I'm not half as funny as I thought I was. <laughs> I told a joke in front of a room full of people. Not one of them thought I was joking. There's some real emotion behind that. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Max. I interrupted you. No, it's all right. I, I was like preparing my own lines and just. Stop oh. listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it's just the, the, the whole this whole what happened to you is one of the many responses when, and you get it all the time. You got it from the TYT crowd and other people. What happened to you? It's like you're no longer advancing our agenda, but we're not going to deal with the facts that you're presenting. We're not going to deal with the substance. We're going to talk about you and you are no longer part of our club. So we're disowning you. That's what I got constantly on, you know, Syria, like exposing the white helmets as an information warfare operation to cultivate public support for regime change in a completely a gigantic fraud uh, or, or uh, COVID when I started calling out the vaccine mandates. It's, you know, people embrace you for one thing and then they disown you and say, what happened to you? And you just have to get over it to be able to tell the truth. And those people don't want the truth. They want their – they just want their worldview presented well, to them again and again until they live in an alternative reality. Ever since the Democrats couldn't beat a game show host, you know nobody ever engages your ideas anymore. They just go to if they don't if they don't agree with your idea, if you tell a truth about the Democratic Party that they don't like or Joe Biden or anything, they immediately just start smearing you. That's just the way it is. They just call you a right winger. As soon as you get to the left of the Democratic Party, the first order of business, I've said this since Bernie, the first order of business is to call you a right winger. And now this to call you a, a white supremacist and a white right winger. And now they're calling you white nationalists. Go ahead, Kurt. So I went through the whole ringer in 2014 or 15 and you know what happened is a bunch of these people were like nobody bloggers or like HuffPo sharecroppers. <laughs> like, right. And they've been moving up in the regular media at the same time as, you know, when I was doing comedy. So now a bunch of them are in the mainstream press doing right. the same dumb tricks they did. Mm -hmm. the, the only losers who didn't like make hay out of like, I guess, Gamergate and stuff like that still bring up Gamergate. These people moved on to Russiagates and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, again, now you know why no people trust Congress more than they trust the media. Uh, <laughs> that's what. What else can I tell you? And and they'll they'll try to tell you the misinformers are the people on YouTube. You got to be careful. They're gonna we're gonna radicalize your kid with facts and truth. But um, anyway, Max, I know you have to run. So thank you very much for making time. Uh, do you want to tell people where you're going, or is that a secret? Yeah, actually, the Michael V. Hayden Center, named for the former CIA and NSA director, Michael Hayden, is having an event on Julian Assange tonight. Basically, why Julian Assange is a digital terrorist, and it's at the National Press Club, so I thought... At the National Press Club! The National yeah. Press Club is wow. is letting the CIA... Is Hayden from the CIA? Where's he from? Yeah. 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 Is, the CIA, is giving a platform to the CIA to to smear a journalist that the government's trying to kill for doing journalism. <laughs> Yeah, that the National Journalist Assassination Club. I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just if you pay for a room, you can do whatever you want. It's probably that. <laughs> but okay. uh, there's definitely it, there's going to be a lot of irony in the air. And I know the um, you know Assange Solidarity Community of 
the area and people people are coming from out of town to this event so i think it's going to be interesting there's a live stream too but i i would rather watch jimmy oh okay me too <laughs> all right well you yeah i know you're gonna mix it up there and you'll uh you're gonna do what's right i can't wait to see the video okay Max. i'll report back and uh and you know if matt taibbi's watching come on our live stream this week <laughs> boy boy he's a hot ticket i bet he he's gonna go right to bill maher he's not he's not gonna fuck around with us anymore he's had he goes right to bill maher right i, I saw he did andrew cuomo show the other day did you see that andrew cuomo where he sits i didn't know andrew cuomo still existed so. he's sitting he's doing a show with a t-shirt i mean on. uh chris cuomo i'm sorry chris cuomo yeah chris, i said andrew oh andrew. chris cuomo show so chris cuomo now and he's rewriting history he said he knew that he knew hillary was going to lose and he knew they weren't doing the oh, right uh, campaigning what's the show called no cuomo so, i knew hillary's gonna lose no cuomo no cuomo <laughs> <laughs> no Cuomo. <laughs> he just says I tried to tell my it. brother she's gonna lose. My brother should have been president. Why didn't they want <laughs> No Cuomo, but my brother should have been president. <laughs> <laughs> he won an Emmy. He's the best communicator ever. <laughs> All right, Max. Have fun tonight. Thanks for stopping by. Talk to you later. Peace. Blumenthal's here with us, ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce him. Uh, he, he's an award-winning journalist as well as the editor-in-chief and founder of the independent investigative news website, The Gray Zone. He's here right now, Max Blumenthal. Hi, Max. Hey, Jimmy. How you doing? Good. Uh, I wonder why this didn't do what, I'm spo- what it's supposed to. Oh, let's do this. See if that works. All right, there we go. You, you had a hit mirror? So we got a lot of stuff coming up. Ray McGovern will be on later, former CIA Guy is going to be on to talk all things foreign policy. Uh, but right now, Max Blumenthal, last night you went to an event. Could you tell people what the event was? Well, it was a debate at the National Press Club sponsored by the Michael V. Hayden Center of the former CIA and NSA director, Michael Hayden, on whether Julian Assange should be persecuted and extradited to the U.S. Um. <clears throat> actually don't have the full card in front of me, but you know, the two most significant figures debating were Barry Pollack, who's one of Assange's lawyers and did a really good job of um, pushing back on a lot of the garbage that was being spewed at him, including from the moderator who is from an outlet called Newsy, which is just like, yeah. it's Newsy, it's, it's not news. And then um, on the, anti-Assange side, Mark Zaid, who is longtime uh, legal counsel representing CIA operatives, including whistleblowers, but he's basically a big-time national security lawyer in D.C. who plays a very malignant role in the world of national security. I'll talk about him in a second. And he was teamed up with some guy named Holden Triplett or something, and he was a former FBI agent, one of the anti-Trump FBI characters. And, um, you know, it proceeded as 
you would expect with a lot well, of propaganda and deception about Assange. Well, let's get to the your part in it. So this yeah. guy here, his name is Siggy Thordeson, or however you pronounce his name. Yeah. So this guy is... Uh, He's admitted he lied about Julian Assange, that Julian Assange told him to go hack stuff, and he didn't. He admitted that that was a lie. And he's also, uh, you know, his own psychiatrist calls him a sociopath, and he's also, is he is he a pedophile? Yes, and yes, and he's in jail now in Iceland because he would not stop trying to molest children and carry out acts of um, computer crime. So that guy right there. So then they, and they used his testimony to uh, uh, prosecute Julian Assange. Now, this guy you're talking about, Mark S. Zaid, so he was on this panel. So this guy said this, I've gotten clearances for guys who've had child porn issues. So he's saying he's gotten security clearances for guys who have child porn. He's done it. So people he <laughs> he's known who have child porn uh, issues, he's gotten them clearances. This guy. So Max yep. asked this guy a question at this anti-Julian Assange bullshit thing. Um, and here we go. I, I think we'll go take the next question. And I believe there is a gentleman here Hi. for a question. I am a, I am a gentleman here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Max Blumenthal, the gray zone from here in Washington, D.C. Um, the U.S. government used as one of its key witnesses against Julian Assange an Icelandic criminal named Siggy Thordarson, who was a known and confessed pedophile who attempted to pay children for sex, uh, was considered a sociopath by psychologists during a review, and confessed to lying about Julian Assange, specifically directing him to hack the uh, personal devices of Icelandic reporters contributing to the indictment. He lied. He admitted to lying, um, this pedophile. Um, Mark Zaid, uh, on February 10th, 2018, you tweeted that you have gotten security clearances for guys with uh, child porn problems. Huh. So I guess I'll give this question to you. Do you think the U.S. government's recruitment of a pedophile and confessed liar harms the credibility of the case against Julian Assange. And what do you think about the tactic of uh, the U.S. government's tactic of recruiting pedophiles as witnesses against Julian Assange? Uh, so one of the things that I do, <laughs> no, not at all. One of the one of my main practice areas is is handling security clearance cases, and there are a lot of allegations unfortunately, involving child pornography, the vast majority of which never turn out to be child pornography. They turn out to be just adult pornography that a polygraph examination has led for someone to uh, speculate about. I don't make any decisions. But about, just to be clear in the tweet, you said yes, that those guys I, I, have problems well aware with child porn tweet, Thank like you. You made a conclusion uh, that they had those problems, not nice. a judge. That was your conclusion. Yeah, nice. and, and I'm telling you, I don't make any decisions about security clearances. The U.S. government makes a decision about security mm. clearances. But so you decided to any, help Anyone who ha I have represented <laughs> who has had an issue, whether it's Child pornography, adult pornography, criminal history, alcoholism, foreign national context. I make my case as a lawyer, just as Barry does in his. So this guy is Mark Zaid. This guy pretends to represent whistleblowers. What he does is turns, you know, he's he's working for the establishment. And uh, if, if I was a whistleblower, that'd be the last guy I go to. But he will take the testimony of, of known pedophiles and 
sociopaths to try to indict a journalist. But, but um, so he's trying to pretend that he didn't tweet what he tweeted, right? Like he's trying to downplay. So at the first, his first go-to was, yeah, these guys, it's all BS. It's regular por pornography. It's not. And then you're like, no, you concluded that this right. guy had these issues right. and that you got him a clear. That was your words. And so yeah. then he just starts talking. And so here he is. Said, I'll, I'll play the rest he, of his answer. He didn't answer. say alleged. He didn't say accused of child right. issues. That's right. Here we go. Case for his clients. Uh, and then the authorities make the decision. In that case, the U.S. government. The reality is in a lot of criminal cases, a lot of the witnesses are not the best and nicest people. I don't know anything particular, uh, personal about this individual. I have no doubt that if Assange is brought here, Barry will do his best uh, capably and competently to attack the credibility of this particular witness. Uh, and at the end of the day, the facts will determine and the jury system will determine whether or not uh, Barry or others can successfully undermine this individual's credibility. Uh, or the or the jury will decide that notwithstanding the past of any particular witness, that the facts lead to the criminal culpability of Assange. That was his big answer. That was his big answer. Hey, why are you guys, why are you uh, getting security clearances for pedophiles? And doesn't this call into question what the hell the government's doing using known sociopathic pedophiles? So um, what did you make of his answer, Max? Well, or, he didn't really give an answer. Or lack thereof, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he totally deflected it. And, and it's just so revealing that one of the key people in Washington making the case against Julian Assange does not know that one of the U.S. government's key witnesses who was used to make this to compose the superseding indictment against Julian Assange under the Espionage Act has perjured himself, has admitted that everything he said that the U.S. government used made, was made up and is in jail now because he's a criminal. And he was basically trying to get off of these um, child you know, pedophilia raps that he had. So the U.S. government was colluding with a liar to destroy Assange. And he didn't, he never, he never heard of this. This is a major story. <laughs> yeah. And then, then you can see what he's doing, which is really insidious. What Mark Zaid is doing is saying, well, when Julian Assange comes, he's going to get a really good defense lawyer, yeah. which is why they kind of brought his lawyer up to show how able he was. And he's going to have a fair trial and the jury will make a decision and everything will be, because he is trying to whitewash a system that is designed to doom Julian Assange to life in a U.S. federal prison. We're talking about the Eastern District Court in Northern Virginia that has a 99.97 conviction rate on national security cases. Julian Assange has no chance. And he is supposed to have a free, a fair trial under the auspices of a government that plotted to assassinate him. No. And so Mark Zaid's whole argument was that the system works, the system yes. will work, and that Julian Assange is guilty, but he doesn't know that one of the major witnesses admitted to lying. So he doesn't even, that's the thing you realize about these guys. They don't know shit. Like the, his, his debate partner, Holden Triplett said, it clearly, clearly Julian Assange was colluding with Russian GRU, military intelligence. But the US government hasn't even made that case. No, the, well, because uh, the, the, the 
the Mueller report stated explicitly that there was no collusion between Trump or his his campaign and Russia. Right. Or or Julian Assange and the Espionage Act, the superseding indictment doesn't even mention Russia. So I went up after the event to this former FBI agent to ask where he got, got his evidence from. And he just it was the most pathetic act of deflection where he just started saying, look, we just have to admit that we we couldn't even have this conversation in Russia. Oh, and that so that's, kind that's, of bullshit. Oh, yeah, my God. That's why it's important that we're here. Um, and you could hear the crowd kind of snickering at me and laughing, you know, that, you know, and someone said, oh, that's a loaded question. Like what was incorrect or unfair about the question? Um, it should, you know, it was loaded with facts about how shitty they yeah. are. Yeah. And and how um, unfair and uh, loaded and how, how the case, the whole case against Assange is just yeah. falling apart. So uh, the, the there's another clip that I think is really interesting, and it speaks to what Mark Zay does for his work in Washington right now, which is also incredibly here. Insidious. I'll, I'll play yeah, this. This, this is that. So you, he's going to, he's going to be talking about. So one of the things Julian Assange revealed was that not only were they killing people, you know, Ill illegally slaughtering people in, a, in Iraq, but then when the red cross or whatever people would come to try to help those people that they just slaughtered, they would then slaughter those people. It's called a double yeah. tap. Yeah. And I always thought that was a war crime. I, I, uh, but he's going to defend that here. So here it is. Thought they were shooting at rescuers of enemy, and you can, under laws of war, kill the rescuers of the enemy because they're looked at as being the enemy. So, so he just said you can kill the rescuers of the enemy because they're considered the enemy. I didn't think I, I always thought that when the Red Crossers and ambulance came that you couldn't kill them or that's a war crime. Do you know anything about that? I wonder how all the, the hysterical White Helmet supporters feel about that statement, because, you know, it goes both ways. So you can <laughs> so, be seen if they're seen as the enemy. It doesn't matter if they are. It's how they're seen yes. by the guys in the helicopter gunship or the drone pilot. So they determine what a crime is. So is it, do you want me to play more of that or is that? I mean, I can just character like contextualize it here. I'll uh, play it's it. one of those, it was I'll one of those situations where, um, I just started recording in the middle of a statement because it was so outrageous. Yeah. But yeah. The entire statement is a justification or, or it's him complaining that Julian Assange released the so-called digital murder video that had been provided to him by Chelsea Manning. Everybody watching this has probably seen that notorious video. We've all seen Roger it. Wa yeah, Roger Waters features it in his concerts. It shows you what the Iraq war was like, where just a helicopter gunship pulls up and slaughters a bunch of civilians, uh, including Reuters cameramen, cameramen who were stringers for Reuters, because uh, they thought that their um, tripods were guns, I guess. I don't know. They just gunned them all down, and then rescuers pulled up, and then they killed the rescuers. And you can in the in this cold, calculating way where they're kind of just laughing and they're almost laughing about it. And that happened again and again and again across Iraq under US occupation. And Mark Zaid was upset that Julian Assange didn't take this video and immediately go to the US government to file a formal complaint because he believes in the system so much, the system that validated the war in Iraq, the invasion of Iraq, the death of a million Iraqis. 
that he thinks that we're supposed to believe that Julian Assange, who is not even a U.S. citizen, would have not just been arrested right then and there and complete and, and, and disappeared. I, would, I mean, that's why he's in jail now is because. Right. Embarrassing what, what do you think they would have did to him? They're do, they're what they're doing to him now. They would have did to him then. What? <laughs> so Mark Zaid runs this organization called Whistleblower Aid, which yeah. ex- is explicitly anti WikiLeaks, and they have driven around D.C. with these uh, truck like banner trucks, uh, advertising their services for government whistleblowers. Anyone who works in a federal agency, and they say, "Don't go to the press." Don't go and embarrass the government. Come to us and we will go through proper channels. Whoa. And what it and, and who did he co-found it with? Every single co-founder is a spook, a former member of the US intelligence apparatus. People like Libby Liu, who helped run color revolution operations in inside China and Hong Kong, well, which is China. I mean, so what are they what are they doing? It seems like, you know, the most sinister view would be, or the, the most cynical view would be that they're trying to entice whistleblowers into coming forward so they can turn them into the government. And that's actually something that Mark Zaid is accused of doing to his former client, CIA whistleblower Jeffrey Sterling, who you know, and many of your pe- many people watching this would know, he was a CIA whistleblower, blew the whistle on an illegal operations in Iran, and he was jailed. He spent like eight years in jail for trying to expose corruption and wrongdoing. And why was he jailed? Well, according to an FBI agent who testified in his trial, Mark Zaid, who was his lawyer, turned him in. Yes. He went to Mark Zaid and said, there's this wrongdoing, there's this corruption, will you represent me? And Mark Zaid went to the CIA. So you have a snitch who also boasts about getting security clearances for people involved in pedophilia, who is surrounded by spooks and he is the front and center making the case against Julian Assange. Who's the real criminal here? Right. Right. And and who's telling the truth and who's lying? Has Julian Assange ever lied? I mean, have wicked, he's never had to republish anything. Never never had to retract anything ever, but these are the liars. So I I went out there to, um, to challenge them and I was second on the mic the first guy was hostile to assange and was like he got the we are all of our people in afghanistan killed by the taliban then uh joe Laurie and chip gibbons who were supporters of assange got to uh, ask tough questions from the other side and then they just ended the event and had a reception so it wasn't much of a challenge i mean it we, we the the people didn't really get to speak well i appreciate you showing up and doing that that's uh well you know what there's one more thing i want to show you yeah so this is from that guy the pedophile liar sociopath who they <laughs> so so this guy this guy pedophile enabler pedophile enabler so this guy here gave oh, an inter- yeah. he gave an interview and they asked him about was it true what the fbi said that uh, assange asked you so the thing is assange can publish anything that he gets even if it was gotten illegally, if somebody broke into someone's house and stole some documents and gave it to a journalist, he could use them. 
The journalist yeah. can if he didn't participate in the crime of getting those documents, which Julian Assange didn't. So they keep trying that. The reason why they tortured Chelsea Manning was to try to get Chelsea Manning to say that Julian Assange ordered him or helped him somehow in hacking those and getting those materials that he got those classified materials. That's why they tortured Chelsea Manning to get her to do that. And to her credit, she didn't. She didn't crack. So tip of the hat. Uh, so now they're asking it. Did, did, so then they were saying that Julian Assange helped this pedophile guy uh, hack something and, or told right. him to. Right. And so they asked him, a reporter asked him, said, hey, did you tell the FBI that that Julian Assange told you to go hack something? And he says back that I hack them. No, I didn't tell the FBI that. That's what he's saying. No, I didn't say that to the FBI. And then the reporter says back, and that Assange asked you to hack them? No, I didn't say that to the FBI. Well, then why does the indictment claim you said that? He says, I can't answer that. They say, is it because you don't want to answer it, or is it because of the FBI you can't answer? He says, I can't answer that. Great question. They say, why can't you answer? He says, because I'm not allowed to. So the FBI told him, you can't, if you say anything else that screws us, we're going to screw you harder, right? Just like Chuck Schumer said, they got six ways this Sunday to screw with you. And well, so, especially if you're a pedo, especially if you're a pedo. So they got him and uh, they just, they probably told him to lie or they made up that he said something knowing that if he contradicts them, they have the pedophile charges to throw at him, right? So they're going to lie in their indictment, which they did. And now they're going to say that he lied to them. He says he never told them that. Isn't that interesting? What do you make it's, of that? It's, it, it's, well, it's damning. It's, it's completely damning. And he also lied about his, uh, the level of, uh, the, the level of his relationship with Julian Assange. He claimed to be a close confidant and inside the inner circle of WikiLeaks. He turned out to be an intern who Assange barely knew. Um, and so he later confessed this. So yeah, they're sort of cobbling together a bunch of lies to make a case against Julian Assange. And he's being destroyed in basically in solitary confinement I mean, this is happening right out in the open as everybody screamed about Trump being the enemy of the press and he's a dictator and he's a fascist. And there they all, it's just happening right out in front. And nobody, there is no, this isn't the front page news of the Washington, Washington Post or the front page news of the New York Times every day like it should be. If it was Trump and it was Jim Acosta, it would be the lead story at every news show. Well, it's, first of all, I mean, the National Press Club hosting an event where people are encouraged to denounce and call for the jailing of a persecuted publisher. Like it's a debate. Like it's a debate and there are two, two sides to it. Uh, Mark Zaid was actually saying there is no slippery slope. This will not affect other journalists. No one else is going to get jailed. Don't worry about it. This is a one-off. I mean, that would not be allowed for another journalist or someone who was considered on the side of the U.S. I mean, when you walk into the National Press Club, they have a big sign up for Austin Tice, who is probably dead and said to be in Syrian captivity, um, but was with McClatchy. And, you know, he's someone that the U.S. wants to get out. But Julie, there's no sign for Julian Assange there. 
the White House Press Correspondents Association at their their dinner, the nerd prom. Yeah. They all wear buttons for Austin Tice. No one's wearing a button for Julian Assange. When Randy Credico tried to uh, make a protest for they Julian Assange him. at that dinner, they arrested him. They beat him badly and dragged him out. Um, it, it was ugly. And the New York Times publisher, Arthur Sulzberger, recently issued a call for Assange's uh, for the government to drop just the Espionage Act charge against Julian Assange. He was the only publisher of a major U.S. newspaper to issue that call, along with papers from Europe, like The Guardian, for example, which has spent years demonizing Julian Assange. Wow. Well, they finally called for the government to drop part of their case after you destroyed Julian Assange's reputation, published a completely bogus story about him meeting with Paul Manafort at the Ecuadorian embassy, which you refused to take off your website. Now you come forward and where's the Wall Street Journal? Where's the Associated Press? Where's the LA Times? Where's the Chicago Tribune? None of them are saying anything. So this is the, this is the mainstream press. This is how they throw you under the bus after they use you, use your stories, use the information that you dredge up about corruption, about crimes. Then they sell you out. Wow. Well, Max, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for pushing back against that bullshit at the press club. The press club. That's what what I, you know, what I, what I've started telling people is that what the problem is Americans don't realize how corrupt our society is and our government. They think our government is just regular corrupt. It's not. It's a hundred percent corrupt. This is a banana republic. It does not work. And the only way the government can work now is if it's moving in the direction of corruption. If there isn't the gr the grease of corruption, nothing gets done. That's why we can send a hundred billion dollars to the most corrupt country in Europe. At the same a hundred billion, which is enough to fix homelessness four four times over in the United States. Except we won't send it to the United States to fix homelessness. Why don't we send a hundred billion dollars? to the United States because that's what we need. You know how many great things we could do with $100 billion? First of all, we could give sick days to the railroad workers who everybody says is the glue that holds our, our total economy together. We could give them actual sick days. It only costs $275 million a year to do that. That's $100 billion we're sending to Ukraine. So there's a million things we could do here with that money, but there's no corruption behind. Though there's no corruption to help homeless people. It goes the other way. Corruption goes the other way. Hey, it's to help, it's help the railroad tycoons, not the railroad workers. So no matter what it is, send money to Ukraine, squash a strike here by the worker. No matter that we're 100 percent corrupt, not little corrupt, not regular corrupt. Our government is 100 percent corrupt, which is why you still don't have health care. And they're sending the two trillion dollars. The, the, the Pentagon said again, they can't another two trillion dollars. They have no idea where it is. So anything you'd like to say, Max, to end the segment? Well, if homeless people and railroad workers would just get something like 200 think tanks on K Street, mm -hmm. a bunch of lobbyists, and control all three major cable news organizations, then you know maybe they would start to get some concessions. So they just need to work harder <laughs> and be um, risk takers, like yeah. the people who are benefiting from the Ukraine proxy war who are building McMansions in the Northern Virginia suburbs right as we speak. The risk takers. The yeah. risk takers. Yeah. Yeah, the they're, innovators. They're job creators. You know, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, they're job, job creators. creators. The innovators. All right, Max, everybody Disruptors. check, check it out his work at the Gray Zone. Thanks for coming on.